Welcome back to Raman FM, where we discuss stories, tactics, and actionable insights that will help you take your bootstrapped startup to Raman Profitable and beyond. Today, we have a very special guest, Valentin Wallen. Valentin is a longtime member of Raman Club, living in Lyon, and he is the founder, amongst other things, of FindingMail, a high-quality email finder tool with an automation layer designed to help B2B salespeople build lead lists faster for cold outreach. It lets you scrape sales navigator Apollo and much more. He's bootstrapped it solo to 20K MRR and recently got into the latest tiny seed batch. Perhaps he's Prosecco profitable now. We'll learn about the difference between Indie Hacker Twitter and so-called Money Twitter, his approach to cold email and Valentin's advice for Indie Hackers. So without further ado, let's get into this one. So I think I'd just like to start at the beginning, basically. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into building things in the first place? Yeah, sure. So I have a technical background. Like so my first love is like programming. I started like playing with things when I was in high school, like learning to code, that kind of stuff. So in parallel of like studying in college and having like a computer engineering degree. So I started like doing some side projects. My first product, I would say, was like a desktop software, actually, that was doing some automation on a video game I was playing at the time. Mm. And that was how I got like my first dollars online. And I realized like you could make some money when you're sleeping. That's changed. That changed everything, basically, on the, the way I was viewing the world and, and stuff. And, yeah, just also the, the feeling of like people actually using the stuff I was building and getting feedback from that. That was just amazing, amazing. And I just wanted to do that more. I read up on this and it was reselling a digital currency in a video game or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, so the, the, there was two, two parts of it. The goal of the software was to automate stuff in the game and you could obviously like get the money of the game by playing and automating that made you progress faster in the game and get more uh, digital gold. And for people that didn't have time, you could all like people were selling that kind of digital gold for actual money. So there was some people, including myself, that was, that was actually using that software to like farm that digital, digital currency and sell it to people. So there was some money for the actual software, which was like three bucks a month or something and, uh, and also some money from like using the software as a user i feel like the gamer to SaaS entrepreneur pipeline is quite strong like i think it's quite rare to find someone that didn't start <laughs> out doing something quite like that and what were the other main projects that you built on the way to building your current main project find email so then like i got into SaaS a bit later on with seo so in between, like I started playing with websites because, for example, for the for that software, I wanted to like try to rank on some keywords. Like made make keywords that describe software. So I started like learning about what was that thing we called SEO and search engine optimization, like how I could make my website appear there, and I started building other websites, like doing some blog, blogging stuff. What I, like, I didn't really enjoy like writing and consistently, like I always failed to, to do it consistently, consistently. I would just motivate myself to write a few blog posts for a few months and then drop. So I never achieved success, but 
I, I, I enjoyed the, the SEO part, which was a bit like feeling like a bit of a king, the search engine. And that felt much more interesting. <laughs> and so I, I wanted to then like basically mix the two things I liked at the time, which was building a product and in the SEO field, which I enjoyed. So I built a SEO, which was an SEO monitoring product. And it started as like just a simple product to keep track of your backlinks and making sure uh, they're still alive. It's basically when you build backlinks, like, or either you, you do it with relationships, you buy them or, or whatever. Like sometimes you, you agree or something on something like, oh, give me a link there. And then you forget about it. And then three months later, actually the webmaster just removed your website or your, your link either intentionally or not, but doesn't matter for Google, like your link is not, is not there anymore. And you just wasted that opportunity. So the first goal of the app was just to like, keep track of all that. And I'll let you, if a link was removed. Gotcha. And, um, there was also a scrapey bird after that as well, right? Yeah. So on SEO, basically I made all the mistakes of like first time SaaS builder with a technical background. <laughs> so what started as a backlink tracker, I just kept adding more and more features that I thought people wanted to use and wanted in a SEO software. And so I added the wrong tracker, added analytics, added page monitoring, added too many things. And in the same time, like the, the MR never really got up <laughs> more than a few hundreds. Because I was basically not doing any sales or marketing. And the few things I was trying to do, well, I was quite bad at it at the time. So it just didn't really work. I didn't know what to do. Call emails, I didn't know what to do anything. I didn't have an audience. So, so nothing really resonated with, with the SEO peeps. Hmm. Um, I heard a quote recently called, just focus on things that make the boat go faster. And it sounds like you were kind of in that situation before where you were just working on stuff that kind of was fun to work on, but it wasn't actually like really moving the needle. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like redoing the, the painting on the, on the, on the boat. Like, <laughs> You're painting <laughs> the boat. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, exactly. But that was also, I was also like during my, my, my degree at the time. So that was a side project. So. And, uh, and I thought that was part of the reason it wasn't growing. Like I was only spending a few hours here and there on that, on this. And then I finished my study and I went full time on it. I was, I was thinking, okay, no, this has to, to move. Like I will focus on that full time. Mm -hmm. No way this will not work. And I, I spent a few months full time on it and like nothing changed. So I said, okay, I, I need to change something and obviously that doesn't, it's, it's not working. And so beginning of 2022, I said, let's give up that SEO idea for now, like keep it running for the few customers I have, but let's dedicate some time to explore other products. So I split my time and I was exploring new projects. So that's how I started Scrapey Bird among other things. So I started Scrapy Bird and also a Reddit automation tool called Prospect it at the same time, around the, like in February or something, February, March, 2022. And I started like using Scrapy Bird and Prospect it to like sell the same tools. 
So basically, uh, yeah, Scrapy Bird was uh, a B2B email scrapper for Twitter. So the way it works is you can like plug a Twitter username or a specific tweet, and it will scrap a list of profiles, let's say like the followers of Charlie, and turn that list of followers into a list of emails that you can use then like to outreach. So for example, I know people that follow Charlie are interested in ramen and I'm a ramen shop and I will outreach all the followers of Charlie about my amazing ramens. And that adds some relevancy because if they follow Charlie, like they're likely to be interested in ramens more than the average guy. Mm -hmm. You can also say you saw the Twitter profile, which is not really that common in outreach and that, that's even more natural. And on top of that, like you just spent 30 seconds getting an email list without any work on your site, which is always nice. So all that just made people interested and like the MRR just grew over the SEO product in a few days. So I was like, yeah, let's, let's completely give up that SEO project. Like that's, <laughs> that's the proof that this was just not a, a good thing. So I started like actively trying to grow Scrappy Bird and it worked quite well. But I realized like when doing sales call with the people, like one good thing was that it's the only product out there that does this. So it's a good differentiator, but at the same time, like people don't even know that such products exist. So they don't look for it. They don't necessarily understand right away what it works on how or how to use it. So I was mainly appealing to like people that are interested to explore new things and try new, new way of getting customers, but those are not like the majority of people. So, so I said with the same principle that made the people interested in Scrappy Bird, could I not just build something that was more generic and something that people are actually looking for already, but with the same, with the same idea of like giving high quality data fast. And that's how FindEmail was born, basically. Which is, as its core, it's just an email finder, which like there's thousands of them already for years and people know already how to use them. And so I started like that product inside and I started plugging it in the sales skills of Scrappy Bird once when Scrappy Bird wasn't relevant. So I said, well, well Scrappy Bird doesn't look right for you, for your audience, but I actually started building another thing called find email, which may be more interesting in your use case. And that's how it started. And again, like basically it grew even faster than Scrappy Bird. So I was like, okay, <laughs> wow. uh, another, another pivot, just transition again in terms of like spending my time. And I started like actively selling find email first instead of selling Scrappy Bird first. And now basically I'm, I'm full time on find email and Scrapy Bird is still running, but it's it's just there's just a link in in find email linking to Scrapy Bird if you want to scrape Twitter. And that's yeah. just grow like this as an upsell. That's awesome. And this is actually a tactic that I think is slightly underutilized. It to take something that already exists. There are already competitors that are making money and just to improve on it and to market it better. So what was it you noticed about the lead list builders that you're now competing with that you wanted to improve on? And what, what did you change? Yeah, so one thing I, I noticed when I wanted to do when doing Stripey Bird was that when you're using 
or every other email finder out there, you have to, they basically give you guest email sometimes and you can't really rely on it. Like you don't actually know if it's valid or not. So you have to use a third party tool, another SaaS email, doing email verification. And you have to take that data, put it in the email verification, only keep the valid data, and then you can use it. I said, that's, that's, that's stupid. Like why I, I'm paying for a data provider, but then I have to pay someone else to verify that the data provider didn't give me bullshit that I paid for. Mm-hmm. And it just adds also extra operations for me. Like, why doesn't data provider exist where I can just get data that I can just use right away? And he's, he's there doing the, the, the data stuff. Like, that, that should be the case. And I didn't understand why no one was doing it. So I started doing that. Like, it's Miscrabibird. I was only providing, like, verified emails. And people like that. So I was like, could do that too for as an email finder standalone. So that's, that's, that was uh, the first like value prop of find email, which was you're only paying a credit when we find a verified email. That's it. And that's actually surprisingly a good differentiator because no one's, no one else doing it and people loved it. And then you use your own tools, find email and scrape your bird to market those products as well. Yeah. So then by doing the cold email campaigns, with Scrapey Bird to, to sell Scrapey Bird. I, well, obviously learned in the trenches as well how make, to make effective cold email campaigns. And I could just leverage like my own tools to get emails and run those campaigns. So obviously that was also a good proof that my tool was, uh, were useful and using, using your own tools is also a good way to notice like what could be improved what's what's not working what's what's useful what's not yeah i totally agree in tech they call it dog feeding don't they when you actually use your own tool to help improve it and i think a surprising amount of founders and product teams they don't actually do this but it makes such a big difference one thing i wanted to ask you is like from your experience doing this what do you think are like the main ingredients in a really effective cold email in your experience it's hard to pinpoint only one, but like it, it will be an abstract one, but it's just like relevancy and what you can offer. Basically, the whole goal of a, of a cold email is to uh, get on in front of someone that is experiencing a problem that you solve. So the, the whole game is to be able to find those people, try to not outreach to people that are not those people because you will just piss them off. Obviously, you can't be right 100% of the time, that's not possible. But your goal is to reduce the number of people that you piss off for and to be in front of the maximum people that are actually experiencing the problem and getting them understand that you can solve that problem. So the relevancy is very important. And I saw you previously write about a book called $100 million Offers. So I have not read this book yet, but I suspect understanding the contents of books like that is very important for making sure you have a really strong offer that's really relevant to those people kind of thing. Was that like a bit of a turning point, like reading content like that sort of thing for you? Yeah, so the 100 million offers like really gives you a good framework in terms of like crafting enough. 
and all the the various parts that come into play into crafting an offer like where's the value come from what's the different variables you can play with how you can increase the risk lower the risks for the somebody increase your margin whatnot and i really it didn't like really change like oh i implemented xyz the next so the day after and change everything now didn't go like that but it really like clarified the mental framework i was using in terms of like offer and from the day i read that like just helped me have a better thinking of like everything about like the offers crafting so something that i think is really interesting about you you're not just on indie hacker twitter you're like you've got like one foot in indie hacker twitter but all it all, one in something called money twitter and there's a lot of indie hackers i don't know if aware of this thing called money twitter but like how would you kind of describe it and compare it to the indie hacker twitter so yeah money twitter is a weird place it's basically a bunch of hustling bros <laughs> that are out there and bragging about how much money they make and inspiring younger folks trying to start their own businesses and so yeah it's a bit of a bro community where you're like they're all like oh look i i can i i pulled that hot chick with my cigar and i made 10k today <laughs> that's it's a bit of a cliche of the the successful money twitter guru but they actually are working their the house off they're like running businesses they are start starting stuff play, trying stuff and you can learn a lot from them so hats off to to all that and it's really good like motivation as well because when you see people like making money and see you can see it's possible i uh, like that's that makes you try even harder which is the opposite of like india or twitter or sometimes like people are celebrating like 50 MRR and like that's good because like the spirit is very positive but at the end of the day like 50 MRR doesn't it's, it's you won't go very far with that like it's not it's not ramen profitable you can't leave off that and so you can be stuck on like useless projects that won't go anywhere for years like I did with SEO and sometimes you the the positive vibe is great but sometimes you need like a kid the ass to actually do the outing which could be like giving up that project and starting something else so i've attempted to try and analyze like what you've done to combine these two worlds so the point of view i have is like you've taken from money twitter the kind of terminology of you know the concepts of like crafting a really compelling offer the sort of like energy and hustle of like you know lots of cold outreach that kind of thing and the sort of ambition of like, you know, wanting to make a lot of money, but you've taken that and combine that with what Indie Hacker Twitter is good at, which is basically creating actual good working software. Because I think most people in money Twitter are actually making, it's like agencies normally and stuff like that and service businesses. But there's not many people who I think have taken that side and just meshed it with creating actual software. Do you think that's like a decent read on it? Yeah, I, that's that's a very good read of it. Actually, money Twitter is filled with agencies there's not a lot of products there because it's basically a bunch of like sales people and, and and marketing people they they like they like speaking about stuff and they like selling stuff they, they don't necessarily deliver all the time on the product on the services they're selling though so there's also like 
on every part of the internet, there's a bunch of scammers. And yeah, on, on the opposite side, you have India or Twitter where you have like software craft, craftsmen like that can create like really good product, very good looking with decent features and everything. And they're like, they don't do any sales or marketing on it. So they don't make any money of it. And that's a bit sad to see. And so, yeah, the, the combination of those words is like creating good software, but also be able to like sell it and get in it, get it in the end of the people that need to use it. Yeah. So take note, any indie hackers listening, there's lots to learn from money Twitter, more than, more than we realize. And just to <laughs> switch focus slightly, Valentin, so you've been working on a bunch of different projects before reaching Finding Mail, and some of those you're working on simultaneously, like at the same time. So once you realize Finding Mail has been like taking off, like I think you hit two and a half K MRR within three months, and then you're over 20 now. How do you think about like a sole focus versus like, having small bets, like working on other kind of projects at the same time. Do you, do you see, is, is all of your time now on finding mail and you've kind of stopped that stuff? Yeah. So basically when you have nothing working, I believe like trying different stuff is good. That's actually, I should have done it way earlier because I spent like two, almost three years working on SEO and it led me not absolutely nowhere. And as soon as I started like playing with different projects, like I got much more working projects almost immediately. And so if I could go back in time, I would try to like explore different stuff earlier than that. So it's, I think it's good to like play with different stuff, yeah. but you also have to like not get distracted too much and actually putting some effort into the things you try not just keep switching. But also, once you've hit something that has success, success, like you will go much further, like doubling down on what works rather than keep trying new stuff. So right now I'm stopping myself from like creating new products, even though I still have ideas for new stuff every now and then, like every creators. But I know that the right thing to do is just keep pushing on finding email and can go much, much further because it's easier to grow something that's working rather than like creating from something from scratch and going from zero to 1k like it's much harder than doing 10 to 11k MRR. that's really interesting so early on experimenting with different things and seeing what kind of works and gets traction but when you find that thing doubling down on on that basically yeah yeah and also like this will like give you experience of like what's what traction looks like because sometimes you can have product that is somewhat working and you're like oh well it's 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 growing slow but it's growing maybe i just need to work harder on it and then you work on something else and it just grows 10x faster without you doing much more work even less work and you're like okay that that's this it's not only a matter of work, there's only just the potential of the product in terms of growth, like some product have more traction than others. And so you make your life way harder if you try to focus on, on the product that doesn't have that. Yeah, for sure. On the subject of becoming ramen profitable, what was your approach to get to that point? And did you have a figure in mind where you were like, okay, now I can just not have to worry about freelancing or 
going to savings anymore. Did you kind of think like that? So during my study, I was doing like work study. So I was getting paid for the last three years of my study as a like part-time employee, basically. And so in France, once you've worked for two years, you can get some, some unemployment benefits for two years if, if, if you don't have any work. So I just had, had that money for two years after I stopped my study. And I also made a bunch of money with the other projects I, I did before during my study. So I was like comfortable with the indie hacking idea for like at least two years. And I wouldn't have like be in, in money trouble because I, I also don't spend a lot. So I, I didn't need to like freelance or and stuff. But I, I was saying to myself, like, I, I give myself two years to make something work. And if it, if it doesn't work after two years, like even if like money wise, I could keep at it longer, uh, cause I, I wouldn't be broke by, by then, but I would be like, just like, if I can't make it work in two years and maybe it's not for me or something's missing and I may come back to it later, but I'll, I'll take a break then. So yeah, there was a two year limit and basically after eight months, it's just work. So that's great. Yeah, setting yourself a deadline there. Great advice, I think. And just on the growth tactics you use, you've already talked about you used cold email as like a, a major way that you got new customers. But I think you've also mentioned that you use Twitter as well as like one of your main channels. Can you just talk a little bit about like how you've used Twitter and like how you've seen results there? Yeah, so basically the way I, I grew initially is that I use Scrapybird to like, at the same time, scrape, you know, so do cold emails, but it's cold emails targeted at people that are active on Twitter. So when I got customer from there, obviously they will, as I mentioned, my Twitter profile in the outreach and you know, stuff, they will follow me. And, and then I started like being active in that money Twitter community called email community and uh, having those people those customers like interacting with me, I, interact, I, I interacted with them with the cold email, with the people in the community that were, that were speaking about cold emails on Twitter. And so that just created like a, a niche word of mouth and a, a direction there. I got visibility there. People that was, that were following those people interested in cold email while seeing my profile and following me and it was picking myself about cold emails. So they will, they will visit hide email by, by my profile and be interested and maybe become customers. And I don't necessarily have like, so exact attribution, like how many people came from Twitter, mm. but I know for a fact that a lot of people like just heard about find email from Twitter because I, I saw signups, even though I didn't keep outreach to those people. Got you. I think one thing you didn't mention you also do there is you write quite spicy tweets and memes and stuff like that. So I think your the one I saw. Let me just have, let me just pull it up. What was it Uber has no cars, Airbnb has no houses. <laughs> your startup has no customers. Maybe you're onto something. And it's got like ten thousand likes. I just thought. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious when that came out. But um, do you have any kind of, pro like, I know these things are, are not like scientific, but like, do you have any kind of process for just kind of like 
trying to write something that you think will get engagement? Not really. And I honestly, I'm far from having cracked the code on social media. <laughs> like I've, I'm not, I'm not a, a social media rock star by any means. But yeah, I just, I will always enjoy like a, a good meme. Like I've been internet consumer for many, many years, and I, I have a, a lot of knowledge in terms of like meme. Uh, yeah, uh, meme knowledge. Like, <laughs> I can actually tell this from your landing page for Find Email. Like, <laughs> I've never seen a landing page which has memes throughout it, and I'm assuming that it works though. Yeah, that's. I just like I don't like myself seriously. Yeah. So, and I always, I always like crack jokes. So that's also reflects in my marketing in terms of my landing page, but also my social media, because. I find it boring to like spend some time creating like a killer thread on Twitter about the 10 books that feels illegal to know about or something. But creating a good meme that made me laugh about cold email or, or whatever, or startup world, like that I enjoy doing. And if I have an idea, if I sit there and try to have some ideas, I usually have some fairly quickly. So it was a good way for me to have like decent content out there and, and people liked it. So that even, that got even more interesting for me to get some impressions. So if that works to get rich and I enjoy it, then <laughs> why not? <laughs> yeah. They, they say of content, you should aim to either educate or entertain. I feel like on Twitter, like everyone's trying to educate. Like everyone's kind of doing similar threads, like quote of the day, here's the top 10 books in this thing. Not enough people are able to entertain. And I think, I think people really appreciate it when you're able to do that in like a really kind of niche topic, like around the worlds that we're in as well. Yeah, that's also quite hard to pull off consistently. And you can easily like repeat the same jokes over and over. Yeah. And at the end, it's not funny anymore. But yeah, if you're able to, because uh, pulling jokes, like you have to have some knowledge about the, 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 the industry, otherwise like you can't pull really a joke that people really relate. And obviously you need to like do some actual work to be able to know that kind of insights and yeah. then have some kind of sense of humor as well, which not everyone has. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, for sure. And one other thing I've seen that you've done is you decided to raise funding from Tiny Seed for Finding Mail recently. What was your kind of thought process in that? Like, at what point did you decide, oh, maybe it's worth trying it? And, you know, how has being in that kind of environment like Tiny Seed with, you know, a cohort of other similar level SASs kind of impacted you? Yeah, so the thought process there was basically tiny seed was my radar for a long time when i was working on seo i was like that's a fund that is founding like bootstrap founders and focus like relates to bootstrap the bootstrapping community and this specific challenge there versus the vc road that's that's interesting so i was like kept in touch with their marketing and follow follow them basically so when find email got some traction and became like eligible to be an interesting project for them. I like started to really think about it. And the reason I applied was that I still considered myself like a really junior entrepreneur. Like I've not 
I, I nothing under my belt really, and outside of like bootstrapping SaaS. Like I've never managed people, I've never hired anybody, and and there's lots of many things I have no clue about. And the goal was to like have that mentorship with more experienced people, so that I don't obvious mistakes like the one I've done in on SEO that could have been easily avoided. And like I, I started looking at the numbers of like, well, how much it was worth. And like to the few percent I give, I give up to tiny seeds. If they only make me avoid losing like six months going nowhere with pros, that's just worth a lot more than the few percent I give up. So that just became a no brainer to, to, to go there, to go there and make my growth faster and avoid all the various pitfalls that will go with like scaling a SaaS company. And I'm sure I, I'm so thankful for that because like whenever I have a question, a specific problem as a founder, I know there's people there either in the, on the community because there's lots of founders there that usually have completely the same problem or in the like mentorship, like if I have a question on a specific subject, I can easily grab someone there and have like knowledge accessible and that's that's really valuable. Yeah, that's really interesting. You're thinking there because you're not just thinking about um, you're thinking ahead in terms of help you'll need at the next stage, perhaps with scaling and hiring. But you're also thinking in terms of the time it, it would save of you not going down the wrong route is worth it in terms of the percentage you give away. So yeah, I think that's some really smart thinking there. And you met a, a couple of other ramen club members out there, didn't you, Matt and Souk? at the uh yes yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that was awesome i saw the picture we created the ramen club cohort basically because <laughs> there were three of us in the same dynasty cohort and i think like i think that was the, uh, the only cohort with ramen club members so far and we are three <laughs> in the same so that was funny as well oh man just want to switch gears slightly back on to find email just a few more kind of tactical questions i had in terms of things you would have done differently if you'd started finding email again it sounds like it's gone like very very well <laughs> since you started it honestly but is there anything anything you just would have done differently in your journey up to find email that may, would have made everything go a bit better or a bit faster on the find email journey or up to find email i think everything up to find email the main thing as i already mentioned i think was like i wish i would have ch- shut down like seo faster and started exploring new projects earlier than that. And I, I really just kept tying myself on that project and I had, I have to make it work. Maybe if I had that last feature of that would change everything, but that never was the case. And I did that like too many times. So yeah, that's that if there's one regret, that would be it. Otherwise the rest of the journey really went very fast, like in less than a year, I made different projects grow different projects and grew find email itself to a very decent tomorrow so so i couldn't have wished any better honestly i'm not sure how i could have done anything differently at this point well that's in a good position to be in for sure and what do you think are the kind of main mistakes you see other indie hackers who, who perhaps haven't got to this stage yet making well the the main one is like not doing enough sales and marketing 
it's, it's the most obvious one, but they, they all do the same. It's either that or they build a product that's basically is useless or like it's a fun side product. Like not like a, I won't argue if it's fun to build or not, but if you want to grow a business, like you can't build anything. You have like to actually solve a problem and solve a problem that costs money and not just is for fun. So that's, that's the two main problems I see in the, in the Acre community, either they start building like useless stuff or fun stuff but that won't bring any decent money anytime soon, or they just don't market the product. And so nobody sees it. And gotcha. if nobody sees it, nobody uses it. They don't make any money. And also they lose money for motivation because when you don't have feedback from customers, like it's hard to just keep going. Yeah, certainly, certainly. That I think that rings true. And that kind of matches a quote I've seen in another interview of yours where you say, all your problems come down to your offer or traffic, basically. So you've been dipping your toe in the water a bit recently with a bit of community building by by hosting a, an indie biz meetup in Lyon. Yeah, just curious, like what's your kind of experience of that being? Anything you kind of learned from it or found surprising? I'm still very early in that, in that <laughs> journey. I, I don't have any like much insights on this yet. But one thing I found surprising when I first hosted IndieBiz was that a bunch of people showed up. <laughs> so that was already surprising by itself, <laughs> to be honest. And also like the the, the various like profiles that that showed up that weren't necessarily like the typical like. India could profile I would have expected. And also like just people that did not necessarily match the description at the time. Like they did not necessarily have their own product or, or whatever, but just were interested about learning more about like online businesses and how to grow stuff and just like generally curious about how how that works. And that was that was interesting to see like the various backgrounds of these people that can lead them to like start an online business. Interesting. Well, keep spreading the word, Valentin. Keep spreading the words. Valentin, just to finish up, if you had to summarize your advice and in just into a sentence, just for like your listeners, you know, maybe if they just tuned in right at the end somehow, like what was the kind of one your one sentence advice to people who are taking a similar journey? Uh, send more emails. <laughs> you heard that. You heard the man. Just send more emails. Send more emails. They work. And Valentin can show you how to build a great list and send a better email. Look, Valentin, thank you so much for joining us. I really enjoyed this chat. I learned a lot. Um, and hopefully everyone listening did. So yeah, thank you very much, man. Thank you for having me, man. Awesome.